For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is that the ongoing series, One Last Thing, with Ken McCusick and Slava Cooperstein. How are you doing, Slava? Doing well, Ken. How about yourself? No complaints. Uh, day after cutdown day, we're recording this. Uh, so our One Last Thing refers to the activity of the Baltimore Ravens roster-wise in the last day or so. Uh, we are recording this at a few minutes after noon on uh, Wednesday and actively awaiting the Ravens or the NFL information on who clears waivers at this point. So lots of interesting information, a lot of names out there, uh, reverse order, the Ravens select 23rd among the waiver claims. So that's one of the interesting things, but let's start with the interesting stuff. The people that you can really dig your teeth in to start with this, who made the Ravens roster and who were some of the surprises? And I guess we start with the UDFAs who made it, Malik Ham and, and uh, Keaton Mitchell. Keaton Mitchell, no surprise at all. Um, Malik Ham, a little bit of a surprise because I think people thought Bowser would be back for the opener. Yeah, I think I think the that's probably the biggest surprise. I mean, you probably wrap it, – it's all wrapped up with, you know, it, depending on how you thought about uh, Tyus Bowser's return. If you were convinced that he was going to be on NFI to start the season, um, I think after uh, the preseason that Malik Hams had, it probably isn't a surprise at that point. But uh, but if you were holding out hope, like many of us were, thinking that maybe Bowser will only be a week or two, then yeah, you know, it, it, it is a little bit uh, of a surprise. But um, luckily, he's he's shown out in preseason. 
Yeah, he has. We haven't seen much from him in coverage, by the way. So he's had 11 coverage snaps, has not been targeted during that time. But the Ravens clearly um, went to some effort to drop him and see what he could do, which is interesting. So, you know, a lot of times they'll, they'll have a guard. They like, I remember Nico Siragusa was coming back for his first playing time. Horrific injury after after the um, uh, being drafted out of San Diego State and had a multiple tears in the knee and had to had to be reconstructed and whatnot. And then he came back and he played in a preseason game where they designed seven pulls to try and get a look at what he was doing, really get an evaluation on, on Nico Siragusa at the time. And I think they did that for Malik Cam as well. They're, they're, they're trying to set specific plays to see, hey, what can this guy do? Because you look at the rest of this group, David Ajabo, Tavius Robinson, uh, Jadavian Clowney, and um, Adafi Owe certainly has characteristics which would lead him to a Sam linebacker, but not necessarily, uh, you know, they don't want him on that side. They'd rather have him on the rush side. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it was sort of a confluence of events last year that really sort of conspired against, you know, away in the first mm-hmm. first half of the um, first half of the season, and he had to you know play out of position, and that uh, really affected him. And, and you could see the trajectory once uh, Ty Bowser came back uh, in terms of the pressures and the effectiveness that away had um, really, you know, m- made it such that you know we we would certainly hope that. Um, away could be, you know, could be on the rush side and not have to, um, n- not have to repeat what he went through last season. Yeah, uh, it, it, uh, it's it's ideal and just in terms of development, you know, you got the you got the coach in house that's supposed to be uh, the pass rush guru. You've got a, an ability to put him opposite a naked tackle as often as possible. They're uncovered. Uh, meaning he's he, he has to beat a tackle one-on-one. That's what you want from Adafi Owe. You, d- you really don't want to put him back on a side where there's a lot of chip blocking, where he has to drop the coverage a lot, where the responsibilities are just different. And uh, anyway, hope to see that. Malik Ham, really excited about, about what he can do. And I think he's going to get a chance to play right away. I think he'll be a game day activation for week one uh, based on them putting on the roster. Otherwise, I, I really don't think there would be a reason to do it. Uh, yeah, I, I wanted to ask you, actually, um, whether you had a better sense of this than I did uh, regarding Willie Cam. You know, he's a couple folks in the media have been mentioning him as a as an IR candidate just because he had some kind of ankle injury. Um, but as far as and, and I, I can understand if people are saying that just from like a roster construction perspective, but I didn't I was not aware uh, that his injury was necessarily significant enough. Um, to warrant that. Um, so I'm wondering if you're familiar with that. I, I, I'm, I'm familiar that he's missed some practice time and he missed the last preseason game. So there, there, that's the extent of my uh, you know, understanding on the topic. And frankly, whenever injuries get reported, they get misreported by sure. the Ravens brass. So I'm not really, I, 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 I can't try and play their heads on what's going on. I'll play their words a little bit, but I, I can't, uh, I can't try to figure out what's going on with that. So Malik Cam, anyway, on the roster, I do expect uh, he'll see some action. I think Tavius Robinson is a fairly natural sit at this point. If you're looking for who are the five guys or perhaps the seven guys, but it's five two seven each week that will sit on this team. It's not too hard to figure out. There's two offensive linemen. Um, uh, actually, there's one offensive lineman right now that will sit because because they've only got nine on the team, but I think they may have 10 before the opener. Right. So uh, uh, anyway, 
a uh, an interesting move. Let's talk about other other players, maybe some surprising players who made it. Now you've seen the list, but there's one guy who really kind of stands out to me as a surprise that he made it, and that's Arthur Mollette, the cornerback. Uh, Two hundred twenty thousand in guaranteed money. But did you see that coming? Yeah, I mean, no, not necessarily. Um, particularly, um, I guess you know, with uh, um, you know someone like Tay Hayes being cut as well. Mm-hmm. You know, when Tay Hayes was cut, I kind of took that as a sign that they were going to stay with um, Caillou Kelly um, just because, you know, it's sort of like, you know, are you trying to keep the people who are the most effective right now? Or are you looking to, you know, keep the draft pick, which the Ravens haven't always done, but often do. Um, So, uh, you know, Mollette making it was a little bit of a surprise, but, um, but I don't necessarily think that that's, you know, a, a bad selection. I mean, Caillou Kelly, uh, you and I have talked about, he, he didn't show enough to say that, you know, he could get on the field and help this team now. And given the depth concerns in the secondary, um, it's just, you know, it, it, it it's too serious of a problem to um, leave a, sp- a spot on the 53-man roster for a developmental guy. Right. Um, Millette, uh gives them a backup slot corner. Uh, which I think is mm-hmm. something the team probably doesn't have, obviously. Otherwise, I don't think Brandon Stevens will move back to the slot. I think he's, at this point, anyway, is an outside corner, a guy who you would uh, want to keep there because that's where his value is going to be greater. Um, they did uh, you know, cut Kayvon Seymour, and we'll get into the other um, players who were cut in just a second. But Millett was probably the biggest single surprise for me in terms of a guy who who made the roster, who I di- I really did not see that one coming. Yeah, I I, I would agree. Um, I would have I would have thought maybe some other DBs um, uh, would have made it over him, but uh, but at, at the end of the day, um, I I think that your conclusion is a a reasonable one that that they're just looking for more depth at the slot position. All right. Um, Maybe we move on and talk about uh, the vested veterans at this point, or maybe maybe let's let's before we do that, let's talk about the surprising cuts because there were maybe two. You mentioned one of them. Uh, you know, let's talk about Tay Hayes first, who had a two point eight passer rating during the preseason. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's a little bit befuddling to me. Um, I think. Just, just given that they really, really need anybody out there who's showing any kind of competence in uh, in the defensive backfield on the team, so uh, maybe they're just confident that they'll get him back. Um, but, uh, but you know, I would have thought that uh, that that he would have made it if if they weren't going to keep Kelly. So how that played out overall um, was surprising. It wasn't like I said; it wasn't surprising to me necessarily until Kelly also didn't make the roster. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, what do you think? Uh, I was surprised by it. Um, it's the kind of thing that uh, I thought he gave them one of the best chances to play well. Now he's a third year guy. So if you were going to replace him with youth, that would be one thing. If Mallette is really taking his space, that's another. 
And I right. thought he just, you know, you got an injured guy who hasn't played that much anyway, who you're already concerned about at his age might be done. Um, I think, you know, your first concern has to be get a good player uh, in that secondary when the Ravens are going to face some divisional opponents early on. They'll face the Bengals, obviously, in week two. Uh, and and they need to have a, a cornerback who can play. And Tay Hayes stood out over all the other Ravens corners like Babe Ruth in a Babe Ruth league in this uh, uh, preseason. I mean, he's just very dominant. And I, I just I I didn't get it. Now they they obviously they feel they can get him for their practice squad. We'll find out if he was claimed, if any Ravens were claimed at all for for that matter. Um, they have a couple guys I'm I'm concerned about uh, getting cut uh, that are that are good waiver claims. Um, I guess we could we we can hit on them if you want to. But uh, Vokalek, I'm I I'm concerned in a minor way because I think he's a he's a a high utility tight end that a lot of teams may want. The other guy is Tashawn Manning. That He uh, played very well, played a fair number of snaps for the Ravens, much more than any other um, third-string lineman, any of the, the third-team linemen. Uh, Manning had by far the most snaps, and uh, he, he'd be a guy I'd be concerned about them losing. Yeah, uh, you know, linemen and, and, uh, and corners seem to really get picked off. Um, um, during this time. And so, you know, I think that's, I think that's very reasonable. I, you know, Vokalek, I mean, I think, you know, you can almost like hear the gnashing of the the teeth, you know, when Vokalek doesn't make the roster and they're like, Oh my God, we're going to lose him. But it's like, who does, who does Vokalek, you know, unseat on, on game day. Right. Mm-hmm. I, you know, he's, he's not, he's not, you know, right, right now. I, I, I don't see him making his way, onto the game day and it's like, okay, if you're three tight ends deep, you know, <laughs> some sacrifices have to be made when you're constructing your roster and your fourth tight end, I don't think should be taking as much of people's sort of like, you know, emotional, you know, capacity as, as Vokalex seems to have. He's done very well. I think that if he gets picked up by another team, they'll be happy with him, but it's just not a need for us. It was an interesting situation for the Ravens because I don't think Patrick Ricard's spot was necessarily 100% secure. And in his case, just a financial consideration. He's clearly the best player available for whether you consider him having a fullback or having the extra tight end. I really thought the Ravens needed him in terms of continuing to have a way to close out games. You don't want to have this team become the run-and-shoot team that, that can't close out a game. And there's already you know evidence of that from the preseason of them getting outsnapped massively. Uh, in these games. And, and, you know, it's the last thing I want to see is a tired defense in the fourth quarter after what happened last year. So Ricard is the best medicine for that in terms of being a guy who's a great point of attack player and can help the run game go, even when the other team knows it's coming in, in, in terms of um, uh, him making the roster though. I think the key player was Charlie Kolar in week three, who had a great receiving game and an absolutely terrible blocking game, just awful. Uh, and I think, you know, if, once you're, you're there and you think, well, hmm, we can line up Charlie Kolar in the backfield in the, in the fourth quarter of some games to help try and close him out. Or we, or we can I mean, we have a card still if we want him. Uh, I think that helped them make the decision. Yeah, I mean, if over the course of three preseason games, uh, Charlie Kolar showed the Ravens uh, that he could, you know, be you know, even 75% as effective as, as Ricard on blocking consistently, you know, I, I think, you know, at least they would have had a conversation with Ricard and sort of maybe asked him to take a pay cut or something like that. But yeah, no, I, it's, 
I think they value the diversity of skill sets um, very much, which I think is is a pr promising um, thing. And I hope that uh, you know it means that um, Munkin is going to live up to his um, promise of, of tailoring his offense to the talent that he has, and not the other way around. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, maybe we talk about a couple other surprising cuts here. The big one to me, and part of it was I did not and still do not understand the designation of this player, is Sam Mustafer. Now, Sam Mustafer is the Ravens' seventh best offensive lineman. I feel confident saying that. Um, I'm The guys who didn't play at all during the preseason, basically, and plus John Simpson, I don't put all those those – uh, six guys ahead of them. So it's McCary and all the starting offensive linemen. But Sam Mustafer is the next best. It's not, it hasn't been Cleveland who, you know, you make a good case. He's, he's been better than Sala this preseason, certainly. And there's reason to keep him on the roster, but Sam Mustafer, I, I am shocked that he didn't make the team. And then I see he's listed in the vested veterans category. I have no idea why that's true. And this is a rare occurrence where I've had some discussions with Brian McFarlane about this. He doesn't know either because he does not seem to have four years worth of service and he got cut by the Ravens. And yet, according to the NFL's designation, he's a vested veteran and he's not subject to waivers, which is a very big deal. It essentially moves him to the handshake crew from right. being, being. And anyway, Mustafa, I mean, talk about him. First of all, preseason, what you, how do you look to you there? And then are you surprised the Ravens, you know, didn't keep him over say Cleveland or, or keep a 10th offensive lineman? Well, knowing what we know now about his designation, I think that makes a lot of sense. Assuming that they feel confident about that um, handshake agreement. Um, and, you know, I think at the end of the day, you sort of, you talk to the player and you, you take them at their word. I think um, mm -hmm. not a whole lot else that you can, do um i think mustafer looked competent i think he um uh you know it's I, th I think you mentioned the last time that we you know had a uh you know large center was back in the matt burke days and i just you know i remember draft after draft just like wishing we would just take one of these gigantic centers that we seem mm -hmm. to always pass over and you know i'm hopeful about linderbaum i think that he's gonna be good you know but you know, naturally he's gonna have some issues um, just being the size that he is. Um, so, you know, from that perspective, it's sort of fun to just, you know, see Mustafer in there and just see that, you know, what a, like a hulking offensive line, uh, would sort of, would sort of look. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he's, he, he proves, he proved himself to be a very capable backup. Um, and, uh, and so I, I would hope, I, I'm very hopeful that he'll, um, you know, be, be back on the team shortly. And, uh, I think he's a big part of what would look like one of the deepest offensive lines that we've had in some time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, I'm just uh, assuming that Ron, Ronnie Stanley's healthy and I, we don't, you know, I don't have any information that he isn't just the fact of how like extreme they've been withholding him out. Mm -hmm. um, I think you have to feel as good about the health and the depth of this offensive line as any in the past, you know, 10 years or so. Yeah. And that's a judge. That's pretty well the the period of time. And you go back to the Burke Grubbs Yonda era offensive lines. There were a lot of great offensive lines during yeah. during that period, including um, 
probably the 2008 line or the 2009 line. One of those two is the best. I think, I guess, yeah, it's 08. 08, they still had Jason Brown. 09 is when they picked up uh, Burke and they had Gaither at left tackle and Orr at right tackle. That offensive line was fantastic. And Yanda, obviously, at right guard. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I, anyway, I, I'm, I, I'm happy with the depth on this offensive line. One of the issues and one of the reasons I think they needed 10 offensive linemen and not nine, and maybe they're still working towards that, is that they have two developmental linemen on the team. Yeah. And there are you know, people who have kind of a snarky way about them will call Cleveland a developmental lineman. He, he's not that. I mean, he's, he, you, could, you could say he's a below average lineman. That might not be unfair at this point. Uh, you could say he's just above the replacement level if you want to be that way. But that that might be fair. It might be where he ends up. But he's not an he's not a completely unknown quantity. And the guys who are not ready for prime time right now are Falele and Sala. You'd be right. you'd be legitimately scared having them out on Sunday in terms of what might occur um, if they're there. I think Cleveland uh, is on the roster now. It looks a lot like the Tyree Phillips. Uh, deal a year ago where they kept 11 offensive linemen mm-hmm. and they obviously were just doing so to try and find a trade partner for Phillips uh, for a period of time. Actually, it wasn't obvious they were doing it for Phillips. It was unobvious that they were doing it. And then they ended up cutting Phillips. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, Cleveland, I think earned his spot. I, I, I wouldn't say that he played better than Mustafer, but again, Mustafer's designation mm-hmm. um, is, um, is what it is. And that, that helps some things, but um, I think you have to be happy with what you saw from Cleveland. I mean, people just seized on that one clip against the Eagles and, you know, and, and anybody can look bad in one play. I mean, I just, I remember Marshawn Lynch, uh, you know, breaking uh, Jared Johnson and Ray Lewis's uh, ankles on one play. You know, if, if, if you judge Ray Lewis's career on that one play, well, then he didn't have a very good one. Um, but uh, I think, I think, you know, Cleveland is going to be a significant part of this team's uh, depth. Um, and uh, and looked pretty decent. Yeah, you you if you want eight offensive linemen, the eight offensive linemen on game day is primarily a safety thing. But the eight offensive linemen carried during the regular season that you can trust is not just safety. That's real depth. You need those guys uh, on an ongoing basis. So I, you can get by week to week if if your seventh guy is good, but if you or you know pretty good, and the Ravens have that. If they bring Mustafer back and they have um, uh, you know McCarry as their other backup. That's very solid. But the problem mm-hmm. is somebody gets hurt. Now you're down to six good offensive linemen. You don't want to be in that position. So you want to have somebody else who who can really step in and play. You don't want to have it be a Sala or a Fa'olele at their current stage of development. And, and by the way, that needs to change. I mean, one of those two guys needs to step up and be able to play at some point in 23, or I think they're going to have to move forward from the developmental component of this and find, you know, just move on to new players. Because Fa'olele in particular – he he has to show development. He hopefully, I mean, I hope he never sees the field, frankly, this year. But he has to see development in the practice, uh, in practices for the Ravens. He has to convince the coaches that he's that he's taken some steps, and he needs to learn how to start striking with those massive paws of his because that's just giving away his gifts to do this contactless mirroring that upsets me so much. If you listen to the show regularly, yeah, I mean, I think I think there's probably no. Um position group that the Ravens have been better at developing than mm-hmm. offensive linemen. Um, so I think uh, there's a really good shot that one or both of those guys are going to see some development. And it's, you know, it's a real testament to the depth that we have ahead of them um, that we were able and willing to keep both of them this year. Um, right. I think, uh, you know, I think they're 
they're pretty comfortable. With, I think that means they're very comfortable with the, the health of the players ahead of them right now. And I think that uh, the flexibility um, of somebody like McCary, of now somebody like um, Cleveland and the, and the pleasant surprise of John Simpson, um, I think is, it all contributes. It all, it all works together. Simpson, uh, they have they they've done a wonderful job. I've I felt like this was a masterclass in motivation. I've said that in other episodes. I'm, I don't have to go through that again, but uh, they did just a wonderful job of developing Simpson and motivating Simpson this offseason. And uh, it, it really is easy to see how a player like that, coming from a crap situation in Oakland, where he's jerked around between systems and he's jerked around between positions, both we've seen that destroy other linemen's career who were pretty good, like Michael Orr. Uh, where they move from left tackle to right tackle, and all of a sudden their career production looks like a freaking ski slope in terms of of uh, what they've done. Yeah, I mean, I'm always I, I'm constantly thinking about this how how many players have had their careers and their you know potential futures upended by poor coaching, by poor organizations, by you know just just people not seeing what, what the issue is, you know, and, and, and how many, how many players have been failed by things. And, and, you know, in some ways I think, you know, success can breed success. You know, if you, if you have that, you know, if things start going right, then you start to believe that things can go right. Mm-hmm. And you've got a more uh, motivated keyed in player and, it, you know, it, and, and, you, but you have to be able to, you know, take those first steps. And if you're not in a situation where, somebody can help you do that. Um, you're, you're, you're in a, in a tough spot, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, I want to, I want to stress that I think that Simpson himself was in a position and I'm, I don't know his personality. You know, we've seen him, he seems very grateful, very smiling, very happy that he's been awarded the left guard position. Uh, seems like a very genuine position, but just it, it, when you're in a situation like he was in, in Oakland where things suck, just generally, and and uh, he's piling up a ton of penalties in the process. It's very easy for an individual in any profession. I'm not just talking about a football player, by the way, to make excuses for themselves and say, "Look, this is a crappy situation. I, I this is why I have terrible coaching. That's why the holding penalties kept coming up." And he, you know, he had 17 penalties in 1,545 snaps, which is way too many. And, and would be the high, one of the highest rates in the entire National Football League for linemen. But if all of them were false starts, you'd say, well, we can work on correcting that. And also, it's kind of a cost of doing ben- uh, business. But they weren't. It's two false starts, 13 holds, and two personal fouls. That is absolutely untenable. So it's easy to see why Oakland cut him, or Las Vegas cut him, I should say. But the uh, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Sorry, it, it, it would make a lot of sense to me that he would have come to Baltimore with lots of excuses and the the chip on the wrong shoulder, meaning not <laughs> I have to get better. And then the Ravens dangle this Salah thing in front of him like a red cape to a bull and say, you know what? We like Salah, our six-round draft pick. We're going to stick him in at left guard from the beginning of OTA to see what he's got. And then all of a sudden they announce, you know, when it's a week away that, you know, next week we're going to switch to John Simpson because they each deserve to get a look at the first thing. We've, we've called this a competition all the way along. What they really meant was this is a way to try and motivate John Simpson to improve the elements of his game, to put that on his plate that, you know, you, you need to take responsibility for these things. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I, 
like you, I, I, I'm not super familiar with John Simpson before coming to the Ravens, but mm-hmm. um, I, I think one thing that you would have to conclude from, you know, how this has all went is that he's coachable, you know, mm-hmm. he, he's, he's coachable and he hasn't reached his, you know, peak and, uh, and he should, you know, ostensibly continue to, um, you know, maintain, uh, maintain this level at least, and, you know, hopefully even show some more improvement um, given that, given that obviously the coaching is doing something for him here. Yeah. I'm, I'm bullish on his season. He, if, if you're looking for him to play the way he did in the preseason for the entire regular season, that ain't happening, <laughs> but, right, right. But, but it would be, he was, he was nearly perfect this preseason and I hope he, he can uh, maintain the, the, the obvious attention to reducing penalties and didn't make pass blocking errors. That's the other big thing. It- you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Didn't have a single error, frankly, of any sort. He didn't have a, a negative play of any sort this preseason as I scored it. And he had only three missed blocks the entire, which is just, it's, I mean, it's like one full uh, game that he played, but essentially he played a game that is approximately equivalent to some of the best games Marshall Yanda's had, uh, you know, the top 25% of Marshall Yanda's game for the entire preseason. That's, that's very encouraging, obviously, for, for that to happen. It's pretty good, you know, and, you know, it'll be it'll be great news if, uh, you know, the Ravens are so thrilled with him that, you know, we're, we're talking an extension, you know, somewhere in the middle of the season. You know? That would be that would be very cool. And they, they could easily get a jump start on that if uh, if things work out that uh, I think, you know, they're not going to get any more cornerstone players than what they have. There isn't another 15, 18 million dollar per year contract that they're going to fit in next year anyway, where they have a ton of free agents to replace, yeah. but they, there, there are some, there always is room potentially for a supporting cast player and keeping together a great offensive line would be really cool. And, and uh, what would be even cooler is if Andrew Voris could immediately step in on the right side and be the guy yeah. that I hope he is. Yeah. And you know, John Simpson seems like a, one of those classic, you know, Ravens like buy low, contracts you know yeah. where they where, where they're like we, we see where this is going uh, let's let's you know take a little bit of the risk off of your plate and you give us a decent deal there you go yeah divisible benefit 
let's talk about the vested veterans for a minute and some of the guys who were, who were cut because there were nine vested veterans cut and a fair number of these I expect to play for the Baltimore Ravens in 2023. But the group is is Angela Blackson, who was on my list of four handshake deals. Melvin Gordon, who I don't think is going to be back. Josh Johnson, who you've already mentioned. There's a, a, well, actually, it might have been in the production meeting. So t- tell me what you think might be the fate of Josh Johnson. So, I mean, I, I, I certainly think that Josh Johnson would be at or near the top of my list of, um, of, of players to come back to the practice squad. But, you know, given this new rule with the emergency quarterback, uh, it, you know, there is some benefit of having him on the 53, but I think most likely it's more likely uh, that he's um, practice squad. And then, you know, they can start elevating him, uh, which they might need to starting week one because it's not clear what Snoop's health situation is with his hamstring. So if you if they did do that, they, they've got a couple of possibilities. One is keep Brown and him on the roster, elevate um, – use four elevations the first four weeks because they're going to be four weeks without Snoop. And then uh, after that, hopefully Huntley is back. There's no issue the rest of the season, and maybe you don't need another quarterback, but they'd have to have Anthony Brown, I believe, available for at least one of those weeks if they don't elevate Johnson to the to the active roster. But it's a great way to save a spot, by the way, what you just suggested. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a lot that they can do with it. And I think I have to think that's the motivating factor for doing this the way that they did, because quite frankly, I think that Josh Johnson looked better. I mean, I know that like mm-hmm. when, when Snoop came in that first game and sort of things seemed to line up, but he was playing in the second half, number one. And uh, I mean, really, I think that's the biggest thing, right? He's, he's not playing against as good competition and Josh Johnson just looked very competent. He looked like he was making his reads, um, you know, really good on the deep throws. And I just, you know, I, I think the Ravens know everything that they're going to know about Tyler Huntley. And I think he is performed admirably, but I think his ceiling is just too low for my liking. Yeah. Very happy with Josh Johnson under pressure uh, in particular. Let's oh, yeah. continue going through this terminated vested veteran list. Sam Mustafer again, have no idea how he fits into this category or why he fits into this category, but you know, Happy birthday to us, I suppose, that he's a vested veteran, not a fourth-year player. So he won't be subject to waivers today. The Ravens, uh, I'm fairly confident, will want him back. Uh, maybe for week one. I would think probably for week one. If they really want to uh, go into it with him, they might bring him back week two. If just you know, give themselves an extra insurance policy. If he suddenly regresses to the way he played in Chicago, then you have a way out of that contract, if that's what you want to do. Um, but there are... I mean, elements of this tell me they're trying to trade Cleveland because they haven't really given him a fair shot this year, uh, in my opinion. You know, that maybe there wasn't room for three people in that left guard competition, but I haven't felt like um, they've been. Um, I, I still feel like he's kind of in in the doghouse. Yeah, this is one of like, I, I'm, I'm a big John Harbaugh fan overall, um, and uh, you know, I think I think that. Yeah, you know, if you're not, you really don't remember the majority of Brian Billick's time here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, um, but this is one of like three things that he does that drives me nuts. You know, he just gets pissed off at a guy and just you know continues to, you know, when when your deci- when your decisions start to outweigh like the 
objective evaluation of a player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if there's a lesson to be learned from all of this, then, you know, either Cleveland has learned it or he hasn't at this point. So, you know, at, at this point, let's get back to do, doing the work of building the best football team possible. And and sometimes, you know, these things get in the way and it drives me nuts. I know we have a, a large STEM audience to this show and to, to you know, to basically to all the shows that, are, that, that, that I do basically, but it, it I'll say this, everybody who's been a manager, you've had frustrating employees. You've had employees that have frustrated the hell over you over the years. And sometimes these people can be improved and coached up and made into better people and and made to take their own responsibility. And sometimes it can't happen. And so the Ravens have had the Tim Williams type who had lots of talent and they're they're never going to succeed because they can't stop acting like an idiot, basically. But you know, then you've had other guys who are underperformers and you kind of like them and they're working hard. And still, sometimes the best thing you can do for that person is to just cut them loose because they're, they're not, uh, you know, succeeding in their role. If you're really being honest with yourself, they don't have a really good chance to see succeed in the role. Cleveland is like the worst combination of both of those because, you know, he's, he's, he's a, a pure country guy. He may or may not love the game is one thing, you know, I've, I've, I've heard about him, but he's an enormous human being and people think he ought to be a good offensive lineman and the Ravens think they ought to get trade value for him. And I can't tell, but there may even be some friction between Harbaugh and EDC about not wanting to let that value get out of house. Although, you know, ironically, the talk is that, that Cleveland was really Harbaugh's guy in the draft right. room. <laughs> And maybe that's why he's so salty about it. You know, yeah. and maybe he's like, I pounded the table for you. And, you know, you, you, you know, you embarrassed me, you know, yeah. who, who knows? So anyway, if, if you've, uh, if you've dealt with employees that are, that are difficult and you need them to perform in technical roles or, 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 or non-technical roles where you need them to just succeed. Uh, I, I, I think that you, you get a lot of, a lot of what Ben Cleveland's plight has been here, or maybe even what Tim Williams plight will be familiar to you in, in, in terms of that. But it's, it's a, uh, it's a it's a point at which you know they got a fisher cut bait at some point with Cleveland, and I think that, that he's a guy who, given playing time, I think would be very effective uh, still. Uh, but maybe he does need a fresh start to get going again. And unfortunately, I don't think the Ravens are going to get really anything in terms of return for him at this point. I think it's probably a a six for a seven kind of deal. That kind of thing is the is about the best they would do in this. Maybe just a conditional seven. You know, I think uh, I think he has value to add to this team, quite frankly, um, mm-hmm. at least this year. And uh, you know, with you know, when Voorhees comes back, maybe that is a different story. But uh, but um, you know, if he if if he can help you right now, I, I don't think a sixth and a seventh is is worth it. That's for sure. Okay. Well, as you go down the as you go down this list of vested veterans, and Mustafer is a guy I expect back. However, they resolve the Cleveland situation. They may go to IR with a player. Either Salah or Falalele would be the the easiest player to IR because you're not really missing that developmental player. But what you are missing is the opportunity for that developmental player to develop on the practice squad. So you don't want either of those guys going to any kind of season-ending IR. But if it's short term. It allows you to get Mustafer on the roster. They have to sit down for practice for four weeks. They still get to go to the meetings. I'm, I'd be kind of okay with it. Yeah, I think I think they've got a few IR candidates. Um, you know, uh, Mitchell has been floated quite a bit, um, mm-hmm. and you know, you would think that um, the three running backs that we have uh, would be enough depth. Knock on wood um, for those four weeks. Um, Pepe, we know um, mm-hmm. is going to go on IR. Uh, 
you, you got to wonder about Marlon. I mean, Marlon, you know, Marlon says he wants to, he wants to be there, um, you know, week one. Um, but, uh, but we'll see about that. Yeah. And he, he could end up on IR. I think Molette could also end up on IR uh, based on what's happened. And then, you, you know, they've effectively stashed another midseason replacement at corner. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how this is going to work out, but it, it, it does look like most of these guys will be back. Let's go to the, the bottom of the terminated vested veterans. Kayvon Seymour, I fully expect to be back because he's a very important special teams player. He's probably the Ravens' number four outside cornerback right now. I think he's he and Stevens. Stevens is ahead of him, but I don't think anybody else is ahead of those two. After- uh, what, what makes you say – I'm just curious. Do you think um, Stevens – outperform Seymour in the preseason or do you just think you know as far as where they are in their development or, or something like that I, I think it's a matter of the ascendancy of Stevens towards the end of the 2022 season frankly I thought it was ridiculous that he would move back to safety after that yeah what had happened but the Ravens thought they had a ton of depth they had to work through. Oh, Jalen Armour Davis is going to be great and whatnot. And now, you know, we've been disabused of, of a, a number of these thoughts with the preseason, a release of Caillou Kelly, you know, being a big deal. Uh, anybody can have him. Anybody can have Caillou Kelly today. And, yep. and there's nothing the Ravens can do about it. Our Ravens will try and resign him to the practice squad. Um, you know, it's, it's a, Really unfortunate situation that that uh, that he went through here, but they they picked Arthur Mallette ahead of him for the for the uh, fifty three. It's just you know, uh, it's not great. No, it's it's not a great look. It's it's really not a great look, and 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 it's possible that that uh, you know he'll be back at some point this season because as we know, cornerback injuries tend to accumulate every year, unfortunately. And uh, uh, I still think that that Kevin Seymour is is probably the second man who will see playing time after Stevens. And and I would agree with you if you're asking me why why not Seymour before Stevens. I would basically agree with you that that it's a toss up sure. between those two. I do think it would probably be Stevens first, but it just just my opinion. And I would understand if somebody arguing the other way. Uh, and Kevin Seymour very important for special teams, so they're going to want him back for that. Yep. David Sharp, no, no surprise at all there. Um, he was cut last year and survived um, being claimed. He's been claimed before as a free agent. By the way, David Sharp is not some um, spring chicken now. He's like 28 years old or will be very shortly. And uh, he's he's not a young man anymore in National Football League teams, as is evidenced by the uh, vested veteran uh, sure. distinction. By the way, is the correct word evidenced or evinced? Or are they both correct? I think that if if evidenced is a word, then it means the same thing as evinced. Okay, okay, <laughs> but evidenced might not be a word, is what you're telling me. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and that's that's the nice way of saying it. that's a consultant way of telling you. You know, you were this close. Yeah, uh, I appreciate that. Uh, all right, uh, Laquan Treadwell, not a surprise. He's reportedly signing with the practice squad, which is the last topic I want to talk about is, is what should be their practice squad strategy this year. And then Brent Urban and, and Daryl Worley. Everybody expects Brent Urban to be back because they've really only got four defensive linemen right now. Yep. Uh, that's not, you know, they've they've listed uh, Jadavian Clowney as a defensive lineman. But he, that, that ain't what he is. He's an outside linebacker or a, an edge rusher. He's not one of their interior guys. You, he, he wouldn't be a guy you'd want to start at five tech on week one. Yeah, I, you know, I I think 
if um, I, I don't really have anything to add on Brent Urban or Daryl Worley, I think they're both going to be back. Um, I think they both have a role to play. Hopefully Daryl Worley doesn't think that there's um, a better opportunity for him out there um, because, you know, quite, quite frankly, I think there's a, you know, better than 50% chance that Daryl Worley will be playing some snaps at corner this season. So mm-hmm. uh, particularly early on. Um, so I think it would behoove him um, to, to, to sign with us. Um, as far as the, practice squad, I, I kind of think that um, we kind of have to look at like what positions we're going to be reloading at, you know, as, as the seasons continue, I think, you know, we're going to have some turnover at receiver and some other uh, position groups. So th- that's a great point. So this, there's at least a couple of major concerns. And one is, you know, the, the reload is, is at the center. They have a tremendous number of UDFAs that are going to, going to pass through the Python this uh, off season, I meaning after after twenty three, before twenty four, it's a scary number, uh, and it's a scary amount of talent as well. You know, some of the top players on the team, like J.K. Dobbins and Kevin Zeitler, and players like that, are are, are going to be free agents. Uh, Odell Beckham, uh, Nelson Aguilar, uh, you know, the receiving crew is going to have to get turned over. So they've got a lot to to try and figure out how they're going to replace in twenty four. To me. The first priority has to be get R and one guys this year. And regardless of where you have to replace talent, you need some cheap in terms of the 24 roster. And that's why Keaton Mitchell was so important. I'm glad he made the team. It's it's a it's a great move for the 23 Ravens. It's an even greater move for the 24 Ravens. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you know, the ideal situation would have been you know, it's it's a good problem to have, right? Keaton Mitchell was too good to put on the practice squad. Mm-hmm. Ideally, you would put, have him on the practice squad, but um, but but no, that was just too high of a risk. I mean, I I think they've got some, you know, exciting prospects at least visually um, on you know in the wide receiver position. You you know, Sean Ryan did some stuff, and um, so did um, Dante Demas. Demas. Yeah. Um, and and you know, it's one thing to make like one or two good plays against you know backup. Uh, guys, but they, you know, at least have the, you know, size and shape sort of, you know, wingspan kind of kind of thing that you look at, and so they they flashed a little, and uh, knowing that the receiver group is is going to be one that's definitely going to have some turnover next season, because even if OBJ has a phenomenal season, you know, you're not going to offer him what we offered him this year. We paid a premium for him, um, and uh, and you know that's been done, but it's not going to happen twice. Yeah, um, very good point there, by the way. Right, particularly particularly given that Zay Flowers has shown to be, you know, a pretty good pick so far. Mm-hmm. So assuming that that continues, uh, that's even more uh, reason to think. So I I think the receivers would be high priority. Um, Vokalek uh, looked good. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully he doesn't get snatched up. But you know, you, you got to start thinking. You know, you're not going to sign all of the. You, you know, you're few seasons down the line, you're not going to be re-signing Andrews and Likely and Kolar and stuff. So at some point, you know, you just got to think ahead. And I I think uh, he he could fit into our plans in the future. Yeah. The one of the things about the practice squad is it's usually fairly well distributed among the position groups. So you're thinking we might need a safety next year, for example. And Daryl Worley, of course, is not signed for 2024. Neither is Geno Stone. 
And while they've got two excellent safeties to start with, that doesn't leave open for the possibility of returning to dime. It doesn't, you know, there, there's some, there's some things that aren't, are not addressed there. And in particular, I don't see a reason why the Ravens have to be a committed nickel team again in 2024. They might be, John Simpson might be a player who does it, but it's not guaranteed. It, 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 you're kind of open there. So additional safety depth is, is something they might be uh, looking for. Now let's look at one particular decision. DeAndre Houston Carson, I thought played reasonably well this preseason, this preseason, but he's an eighth year player. Right. And to put him on your practice squad and say, re- release outright a player like Jeremy Lucian, I think would be a huge mistake. I think, I think you, you want to look at those two and see who's the better developmental prospect, particularly at that position. And so I'm expecting Lucian to be back as a practice squad signing. I'll be very upset if, if Houston Carson takes up a spot on the, um, uh, on the practice squad. And it's not because they're not similarly effective players, let's say right now, because sure. he made some plays in the preseason. They, they each recovered a fumble, which was kind of interesting, you know, the, the, the thing. And uh, there's, there's things to like a, about each player, but um, I think you go with youth this year in particular because of the 24 rebuild that's going to have to occur. And it's, it's, it, it needs to be a rebuild on the fly, but it's going to be a rebuild nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, at some point, I think it becomes unreasonable to, like, you know, pick nits between just, you know, between such similarly skilled players when one clearly just has so much more uh, advantage to uh, reloading at that position, particularly given our um, our uh, uh, cap salary cap situation uh, going into next year. Um, so, so I think I think that you know, makes a lot of sense. We know that Lucian can work hard um, uh, because he uh, was an engineering major. Uh, I was an engineering major for undergrad and uh, <laughs> it's not, it's not easy. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, that if, if I got nothing else out of it, I learned how to work very, very hard. So I, 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 I firmly believe that he has, has a, has a future here. Yeah. I, it, it sounds very good. You hear the story from the player, but it sounds very good in terms of what the Ravens like about him in terms of his ability to pick up the defense very quickly and understand what's going on from, you know, visually uh, seeing it on the field. So I, I'm, I'm optimistic about that and we'll see how that, uh, how that plays out. But the Ravens also, of course, will look at other teams cuts. This is one of the interesting things about this year. If you look at practice squads, they largely come from the team's own cuts and they only trickle in over the season to add players who are other teams' cuts. So, you know, there's a handful of waiver claims league-wide. I mean, I, I don't remember what the what the total is, but it's like half a player per team or something. So there might be, you know, 16 to 20 waiver claims made per today. Um, but anyway, there's there's a uh, there's then a, a period where you kind of watch the other team's preseason tape then. And bandwidth is not at a level, I don't think, in, in NFL organizations to look at every, every player on every other 90 man roster yeah, to try and figure out who's, who's available. And that's why you, you end up with a lot of your own guys. You also have experience with them in house. So you can say, well, I like, you know, Johnny over Eddie here because he's a better, he, he has a better work ethic and he's always on time for the meetings. And he's always the guy who raises his hand first to say, I understand what that means. Um, you know, they, you have more, more direct contact with those people. So you're going to have a bias towards them to start with. But I think that the 
um, bandwidth is a big issue for NFL teams this time of year in terms of being able to figure out who's good on other teams' rosters. Yeah, and and, and like you said, just um, just just trusting your own talent evaluation, I think, is really important. You've spent hours and hours and hours coaching these guys, observing their tendencies, and if you know that this guy could, you know, if you're comfortable with the notion that this guy could be elevated and play on game day, why would you risk that unless you really have seen something that just absolutely flashed on tape? And the odds of that, given the, you know, the fact that that team elected to, you know, cut that player don't seem very high to me. You know, if, if a team has just an embarrassment of riches at a particular position, I think that's kind of where it happens a little bit, but then, you know, you know, a lot of times those teams will try to trade those players uh, rather than cut them. Yeah. All right. I think we've been through a lot of the topics here. Is there anything else about the roster construction or the way things were selected out or anything that, that maybe sticks out that you want to point out at this time? Um, nothing, uh, nothing in particular. I mean, uh, I I guess if you had any thoughts on any of the defensive guys, um, who, who could be on the practice squad, you know, Ross, uh, Welch. uh, Yeah, that's a, you know, that's a good point. I did have a list of guys that I thought were the, were ones that they really wanted to do the big guys. I mean, if you go, if you go down the list, uh, Tariq black, I'd like back. Uh, Tay Hayes, I'd like to make sure he stays in the building. Kelly, I, I think you want to continue to try and work with, unless there's something, there's a reason why they don't like Kelly now that they drafted him. Yeah. Then I, and then I think you try and continue working with him. To Sean Manning, priority, priority uh, practice squad guy. Uh, Jeremiah Moon, I would keep around. I think he's a, a potential Sam guy. He made a nice play in coverage in, in one of the games. I think you can keep two of the three defensive linemen between Nichols, Kaim Caesar, and Trey Botts. I don't, I, I don't know if there's, if there's two who do really deserve it, but but if they're, I think I'd keep Nichols for sure, and I, I'd probably keep one of the other two. And I might be tempted to keep uh, Caesar because I think the body type is a little harder to find than than with Botts. Sure, uh, I would agree. Ross is is a good guy. I would I definitely make a priority out of Vocalek uh, in case anything happens during the season. Uh, and my, I, I, you know, I'm not married to Owen Wright, but he certainly looked the part in that last preseason game. So it's a matter of trying to determining whether he or somebody else's R or one guy. But I, you, the, Wright versus Gordon is another fairly obvious choice for me in terms of yeah. tenure. You're not, you don't, you, you don't own any of Melvin Gordon's future. Yeah. You, you do have <laughs> the future of, uh, um, uh, I'm sorry, Owen Wright, yeah, uh, in hand. Yeah, I do. I, I do actually think that uh, Melvin Gordon um, uh, put on some uh, decent tape relative to what I expected. I mean, I don't think he has any plays on our practice squad, certainly, just given the depth of our, our room. But uh, uh, I think he showed more juice than I uh, expected mm-hmm. him to have um, uh, based on some of the things. That, so hopefully he makes it somewhere else. Yep. Good for him. Say, I would say the same thing about James Rocher, by the way, and he's not a guy that I would make a practice squad for. Uh, given his tenure and the fact that the Ravens don't have any stake in his future other than at market value. So yeah. they, they need to find some guys who are, uh, you know, year one and, uh, and there'll be some among other cuts that they, that they like, and there'll be some they figure out over time. They like. Yeah. Rough, rough summer for uh Prochet, but I really, um, I, I, I like him. I think he did, uh, you know, a few nice things when he was there, but, but, you know, outweighed by, uh, by, by some of the other, um, 
unfortunate plays, and I I think a change of scenery would would really do wonders for him. Uh, so hopefully he, he he gets it figured out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Slava, always a pleasure doing this show with you. Tell folks where they can talk football with you online. I'm on Twitter at Slava Cooperstein. That's S-L-A-V-A-K-U-P-E-R-S-T-E-I-N. All right. Outstanding. Other folks out there, if you want to do a film study short, hit me up with a DM. They're always open on Twitter. I love new ideas. Uh, Slava's always come to me with stuff. And and uh, we turned a couple of shorts here into a regular show that we're going to be doing all season. So uh, I love to find that kind of relationship. And I always want to find new people uh, online that I can talk football with. That's uh, why I do what I do. Anyway, uh, Slava, uh, we'll see you next week. See you next weekend. Bye-bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.